looking at the schedule and when everybody's going on vacation and, <clears throat> and when uh, the Bartoshes evacuate half of the church and go uh, camping in the Bighorns. One of these days, I am going to grab my wife and of 50 years. Isn't that a miracle in itself? She hasn't thrown me out yet, you know? So, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and invade their thing and see what in the world goes on up there, you know, because uh, every year they just take off, you know, and a whole batch of them. And so we looked at the schedule and say, well, who's going to do this? Who's going to do this? Well, who's going to do this? And who's going to do this? Thankfully, uh, we had some good help this morning, and we just want to thank each one who participated. Thank you for being here. Father, we want to thank you today for your love and goodness. We thank you for this great land that you've allowed us to grow up and live in. We have no idea what it's like uh, to live in some of the parts of the world where people don't even know where the next meal is going to come from. They don't know whether or not they will be alive at the end of the day. Some of them wake up in prison because they have taken a stand for Jesus Christ. and It's against the law. And forgive us for allowing our country to gravitate so far that way. We are on a precipice today. And so, Lord, we are indeed desperate. We need you. We ask that you would invade this place today. And we do pray that you'll be with each one who is out uh, uh, in their vacation times. Pray that you'll give them safety on the roads, that you'll give them enjoyment, that you'll give them a rest, and that you'll draw them closer to you during this time. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it didn't take me too long uh, uh, when pastor asked if I could preach today to figure out where to go, and uh, because that alone made me say, oh my goodness, I need help, you know, <laughs> and um, it just happened that about that time I was reading through the Psalms, and I got to Psalm 78, and it's a long psalm, not as long as 119, but it is a long psalm, and it, it, uh, it kind of goes through the history of all of God's people, their ups and downs. And for 72 verses, it talks about how he blessed them and he blessed them and he blessed them and he, he gave them all kinds of, he, he recovered them, he redeemed them, he, he, uh, take, he took them out of, of Egypt, uh, he, he built the walls up of, of the Red Sea and can you imagine what that was like to walk through on dry ground? And, the, and, the, and it says in there, and, that they, and the waters piled up as a wall on each side of them. Sometimes people just say, well, there was a big wind, and it does say that. It you know, blew all night and so on and so forth. But according to when they walked through, I mean, I don't know how high it was, but all you have to do is go out to the lake here you don't have to go far from, from shore, and I mean, you're in, you know, 30 or 40 feet of water or more. 
Can you imagine what that was like to walk through? And how in the world could people forget that? And yet it basically keeps coming back to the same thing again in this psalm and then in 106 and 107, how God delivered them from their distresses and then they forgot. And they got back to life as usual. And then they got in a jam again and their back was against the wall and they were fearing for their life and they cried out in their trouble and God delivered them from their distresses. And over and over and over again in Psalm 107, uh, it's a whole other story, but it goes through different categories of people, different categories of why they were in the jam. Sometimes people were just in a jam because they were absolutely foolish. In some cases, they were just living like the devil and they were evil, and the very thing that they were going through was the fruit of the way they were living. And yet, when they came to the end of themselves, they cried out to God and said, oh God, please save us. They've been living like the devil for the last however long, and yet they knew who to call. And why didn't God just say, man, you created your own mess, live with it. And yet it said over and over again that he delivered them from their distresses. And then it goes on to say, and he set them on a straight path. He did this for them. After he delivered them, he helped correct the problem that they were in. I'm getting way ahead of myself. During the last few weeks, as Pastor Jason and others have uh, preached and taught on the subject of prayer and how to live, uh, many key conditions have been presented. And I, I've thought about, you know, I'm not a person who is a... My wife is much better in terms of consistently and routinely praying and, and asking for God's direction. And every now and then... <laughs> Uh, either she will come down or I will say, Joy, would you please pray for me because. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling like, you know, I don't know if I can handle this today. Uh, and, or, you know, our, our life seems to revolve around the radio station a lot. And sometimes it's doing really well. Everything's cool. Uh, yesterday, uh, she calls and says, hey, we're off the air. Great, I'm trying to study, if you don't mind. <laughs> but no, it was an emergency of its own sort, you know, and so Aaron Remington's over there, I'm running over there, we're trying to figure out, okay, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And uh, every now and then, uh, it'll pile up, and usually it's, it's how much money it takes to operate every month, come up with $20,000 every month, and that may not seem like a lot, in a lot of businesses, but for us, it's, you know, we're just kind of a little one-horse operation, and $20,000 every single month is a lot to come up with. And guess who gets to do the selling of the advertising, because nobody else wants to do that, and so about halfway through the month, half of the time, I say, oh God, I cannot do this. We are, unless you intervene, we are toast. And... Uh, and it's been amazing. Every time, every now and then, I, I plan a lot. I probably plan too much. And I go over my list. I go over my list, over my list. And it's amazing how many times I've been driving down the street 
and somebody that was not even on my list. I uh, maybe I ought to go see so and so, and that's my only sale that day. I was what just a coincidence, or was God active in my miserable life? You know, and uh, so anyway, among them uh, conditions that have been presented in terms of why do you know what are the some of the things that we need to do as it relates to prayer and as it relates to living, among them. A clean heart and conscience. Uh, persistence. Uh, there are parables about the people who came and knocked on the door and said, ah, I need this, I need this. And, he, and God and, and Jesus taught his disciples, yeah, be persistent in prayer. Third was, uh, what is the will of God in the matter? Sometimes we just, you know, blow our way into the thing and we tell God what we want. But we ever now, we a lot of times don't ask, what does he want? Obedience is another thing. Sometimes people are, I'm not very good at this, you can tell, uh, fasting, uh, fasting and prayer. Sometimes people do not get the answers until they've been stripped away of all of the comforts, all of the things that give them normally comfort and health. And they're just completely dependent on God, and finally he intervenes. Abiding, uh, what, what Pastor has been talking about. Staying connected to the power source. Uh, another thing is not how great is my faith, but how big is my God. Uh, I, I did a study one time on, on uh, the prayer of Jabez. And uh, in the Old Testament, I, I looked at, it, uh, Abraham, and if you do that, da, 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 I will bless you, and your descendants will be as, uh, you know, sand in the sea. The other, and the other thing that we looked at was, was the, the, what, we, what we call the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are you when. Blessed are you when. Blessed are you when. And there are many, many things that sometimes... We say, well, why isn't things going well? Maybe because I'm stingy, and therefore I'm not, you know, whatever it is. You know, it goes down through a whole list of blessed are you when. Boldness. Some of you uh, have the gift of just coming before God and say, God, I know this seems impossible, but this is our need. And they just claim it without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is one of joy and my favorites. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing but in everything pray. Be still and know. That I am God. I'm not very good at this one. Be still and know. You know, sometimes we rattle on and, and we tell God all about it. But we have 30 seconds of silence and we don't know what to do with it. He says, be still and know. Maybe the reason we don't hear from God sometimes is we're not listening. We are so blasted busy that we don't know what's going on. And in the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, if you go to their uh, webpage and 
and look at what do we believe in and so on and so forth. The first work or the primary work of the church is prayer. Like I said, I, I've not been a good one to be the one who prays consistently. I, but I have learned this. I, I have been the beneficiary of people who have prayed for me and for the things that I'm involved in. I remember uh, when we first moved here uh, in 1991, the radio station had been on for six years. I was the fourth manager in that period of time. We were losing four to $5,000 a month, and we were in trouble. The, the town was in trouble. Uh, we had gone through the worst bust that we had been through for years. Three of the uh, refineries had closed and so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was indeed like a ghost town in a lot of ways. There were people, that, the house that we moved in, somebody used to live there, and they, they moved on. And somebody came and kicked me out of my office and said, we're going to pray for you. And Arliss Hedquist went, came in with a couple of their gals, and they, they would come in and invade my office and say, get out of here, we're going to pray for this place. They didn't say it just like that, but in essence. And uh, every now and then when I hit the wall, there are about three or four people that I know that I can call. I said, I don't know what's going on. But would you pray for us? And uh, I have been uh, the recipient of that. Psalm 78. Um, there's about 10 verses in the middle of the chapter. Uh, verse 29 to 39. And I've tried to get away from this chapter because it seems to contradict itself in a lot of places. And yet I keep coming back to here. And it's a story of the way life really is. In one of the chapters that I looked at, Psalm 106, it in essence says, in essence, wouldn't it be great if everyone, number, verse 3, 106, it says, blessed are, how blessed are those who keep justice. And then it says this, who practice righteousness at all times. Uh, you know, that would be great. If I could just practice righteousness at all times, many of us have grown up believing that in order to get God to hear my prayers and to answer our prayers. By the way, the, the title for today is The Desperation Factor. The Desperation Factor. And our main uh, text is from Psalm 78, 29 to 39, and Psalm 106. Many of us have grown up believing that in order to get God to hear our prayers, to answer our prayers, we have to deserve it. And we work hard to polish things up and make ourselves look better, and we have to deserve it that somehow our answered prayer is a reward for how good I've been. But what if your life is not consistent? What if in your heart you want to? You feel like, man, I just can't get it right, you know, failure after failure. 
Or maybe just like the people of Israel. For a while, they were just right on, and they drew close to God, and they obeyed him, and they said, yes, Lord, we will do whatever you say. And when Joshua said, consider this today. Who will you serve, this or this? And they, they said, oh, yes, we will, we will serve the Lord. We will serve, and we're not going to worship any idols. And before you know it, they're back into it. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's my life a lot of time. It's not like I'm, uh, you know, continuously living in sin, except probably when I get in my car and drive. <laughs> and uh, Anita can probably help me in that area, and she would attest. Uh, that's one of the areas I really struggle in. I'm not patient, and then other times I, I'm, I, I try to be gentle. Uh, my, believe it or not, my root gift is mercy, but I've been in sales so long, I don't care anymore, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm also uh, I'm impatient, and uh, I'm far from deserving God's protection his answers. I know how many times I've driven down the road between Gillette and here. I know when we first moved here and I was driving all night towing, uh, well, towing an old truck that my son picked up and I'm delivering the last pile of junk that we cleaned out of our house and got, Joy and, and the kids had already gotten here to Casper and I was making my last ditch, I'm coming home. I saw 37 deer that night as I drove from Gillette to here. And I don't know how many times I've been driving, and it just seems like they're standing in attention by the, by the road. And... I've also been in places where I've seen deer jump out and people get plastered. I, I used to call on a guy down in uh, Goobles, uh, whatever his name was, uh, down in Douglas. He was crippled. He was in a wheelchair. Um, a deer, they had hit a deer. They were going hunting. And that deer got caught in the left front wheel well. And it flipped about four times, and he came out of it paralyzed. Why not me? I probably deserve that more. The way I drive. And most of it, I am really a good driver when I'm thinking about it. But there are times when I'm really bad. What if your life is not consistent? What if you try, but you continually fail? Today's lesson is not intended to be a license to, give, uh, to live like the devil and then when you need God to come running, but rather that God understands our human condition. He said at the bottom of, uh, I think, Psalm 106, it says, and he remembers that they are, oh no, it's in 78 and verse um, uh, 39, it says, thus he remembered that they were but flesh. <laughs> In other words, you know, these poor guys, they can't help it. They're such a mess. I'd like to wipe them out right now, but, you know, they're just flesh. There's another uh, verse that says, there may, yeah, and they just remember that 
They're just made out of dirt. <laughs> poor, uh, poor, miserable creatures, you know. And God has compassion. And a lot of times we, we hear about the prodigal son. It says he came to the end of himself. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up. I'm going to find Father. And I'm going to tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you make me one of your hired servants? The story of the prodigal son is not about the son. It's about the gracious father, the forgiving father, the over-the-top celebrating father that says, bring on the best robe, slay the, the, you know, whatever, and we're going to have a barbecue. We are going to have one party because my son, who was gone, has now come home. Did that son deserve what he got that day? Believe it or not. And if you wanted to find out whether he deserved it, talk to the other brother. He'll tell you all about it. But this is about the loving father who said, and when he was a long ways off, he saw him coming. Do you suppose perhaps that father stood there every day? I wonder, maybe today. And how, how often we put God through that. We're running from God. We're trying to do our own thing. We're doing it in our own strength. Have you ever seen little kids who say, I, know, I can do that myself? I know some, you don't understand that. Uh, but uh, some people who have had children who are, well, usually they're firstborn, you know. But... Um, no, uh, all of us go through that. Uh, so I can do that. I, and it takes us a long time to get to God. Um, 29, it says, and they were eight. They ate, verse 29. So they ate and were filled, and their desire he gave them. Before they had satisfied their desire, while the food was still in their mouth, the anger of God rose against them. And he killed some of their stoutest ones and subdued the choice men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned and did not believe his wonderful works. So he brought their days to an end in futility and their years in sudden tear. That's the setting here. They've been, in the, in the, uh, they've been delivered from Egypt. They're in the wilderness. People are complaining on and on and on. God says, I've had enough. And, uh, and then here's the key verses. Of, and it says, and, and if you, for those of you who, who need uh, points, uh, I did come up with seven points out of this little thing in a nutshell in verse 20, 34 and 35. Number one, and when he killed them, <laughs> how's that for getting your attention? How far off and how messed up do we need to get and how desperate, how much of a tragedy, how much of a uh, disaster needs to occur before us to say, you know, I think I really need God. It says, when he killed them, then, number two, they sought him. 
they, they began seeking God. When the pain was enough, when they say, man, I don't want that to happen to me, I better really listen here. I better start seeking God. Third, they returned. They had been running from God, and finally they turned around, which is another word for repentance, and they came back, and then it says they searched diligently for God. That's number four. Number one, when he killed them. In other words, when their situation was dire enough, they started. Number two, they sought him. Three, they returned. Fourth, they searched diligently for God. Five, and they remembered that God was their rock. That is such a visual for me. Now, sometimes you don't feel like, well, well, I don't need a rock, really. It's just a, a way of saying, wow, this is a piece of... My life is so unstable right now. I am so messed up. I need something that I can hang on to. And I was here uh, last night and when that storm came through. And I, literally, when I looked out the window, I thought we were having a typhoon. The wind was blowing the, the water, and it was just just blowing, and, and about that time, if you are somewhere, and you, you, are in, you are in the middle of a storm, you need something to hang on to. You need a rock, and not just a rock, a pebble. I mean, we're talking a rock, something that you could throw a rope around, tie that on, put that around your waist, and say, okay, I'm going to weather this storm. I need a rock. So they remembered that God was their rock. And then it just kind of expands on that and says, not just God, a God of sorts, the most high God. You know, a lot of times we just take God for granted. And we say, well, hey, you know, sure, he loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. Da, 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 da. And we go on our way. No, this is the God of the universe. This is the God who created everything that you and I have and enjoy. And that was the, one of the final things. It says that the Most High God was their Redeemer. So if you want to just kind of check out right there, uh, that's basically the story. People get messed up. They realize how severe it is when God killed some of their stoutest. They say, Ooh, I better watch out because I might be next. Secondly, they sought him. Thirdly, they returned. Fourth, they not only returned, they searched diligently for God. Number five, and they remembered, they recalled God's provision. They recalled all of the things that God had done for them. And then that God was their rock, the only one that could help. And that the Most High God was their redeemer. Redemption is a, is a whole story in itself. To redeem is to say, hey, you know, you are guilty. You deserve life in prison. But I'm going to take your penalty. And I'm going to buy back 
your freedom. You're free to go. You are redeemed. And that's what God's whole story from, from Genesis to Revelation is a story of redemption. Now, you know that I like to play softball. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff I was going to say. I have to tell this about my mom. Um, my mom and dad, um, I think when they were about 50 or so, 50, 55, um, I know my youngest son, I mean my youngest brother, 17 years younger than me, was still a, a, a young a boy and grew up through high school. And they were at the Fremont, it's a Bible camp uh, near Fremont, Nebraska. And they were the caretakers there. And one of the things that my mom did, my dad did all the fixing stuff, and he went out, and he would cut wood, and he would do all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but uh, mom, uh, she did numerous other domestic things. And one of the things that she did was she would, they had a, a really nice pool there, and she would go out and, and, and check the levels, uh, the chemical balance, the chlorine and the pH and all the good stuff that you're supposed to do to make sure that a pool is safe to swim in, that there's not too much chlorine in, not, not enough, you know, she's checking it. And then she adds whatever she needs. Well, she fell in. And mom doesn't know how to swim. Well, she does today. She's, she's swimming all over the place today. Uh, but... At that point, she didn't know how to swim. I wasn't there, but I have a feeling that when mom fell in, I've, I've heard my mom scream when things are, this is freaking her out, and she is scared and, and, and needs some help, or we're in trouble, and she's letting us know. Uh, I know my mom didn't just say, um, <clears throat> is, would anybody out there maybe possibly have a moment to come over. No, man, she's just screaming her lungs out. Booga, damn! You know, she needs to go down, and she's like a bobber, you know, in, in, a, in the water. I mean, she's going down. And fortunately, there was a couple of boys that were walking by there. They found her, pulled her out, and Mom uh, lived for another 40 years. And uh, uh, sometimes we try to be so cool when we're in trouble. Oh, I, I'm okay. People ask, how many times do we ask each other, how are you doing today? And we might just be devastated. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. We're the best liars around, you know, when it comes to when we're in trouble sometimes. Now, some of us are much more, you know, we wear everything on our sleeves and we say, oh, yeah, I, tell me, well, I'll tell you all about it. Uh, others, you know, say, no, I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm fine. I like to play softball, and, uh, and I'm fortunate to be, still be able to play, and uh, I don't know how many times we've been in a game, and whether it's our co-ed team or whether the men's team that I play on, and both of them are actually pretty good. We've, we've won championships and, and stuff like that. Probably won't happen this year, but we're, we're trying. Um, but anyway... I don't know how many times we've started out a game just lackadaisical, you know, oh, oops, 
was that, oh, was I supposed to catch that, you know? And, or we'd get up, and some of our best players, you know, might, you know, who, who probably are capable of putting it over the fence, they pop up. And, you know, it, the first couple of innings are just horrible. And it takes a while before, in fact, one game we played, and I don't remember whether it was our men's team or the co-ed, but we were like 30, they had 30 points, and I think it was 30 to 10 or something like that, and seven of those were in the last inning. Um, we got really urgent about them. Man, we better start playing ball. And we just started knocking it out there and catching stuff and throwing, and we were all over the place, and we were awesome. And, uh, but sometimes you think about it too late, and you don't get started from the first inning through the, through the end. One year, we did lose one of the first games, and that puts you in the loser bracket when you're in the playoffs. And we, we had to win every single game then from then on. And we won the championship. <laughs> but we had to do it the hard way. If we could only be desperate from the get-go. If we could only be desperate for God and say, God, you don't, I realize how needy I am. Please help me today. Before I even get started, would you please invade my life and enable me to do the stuff that I need to do? But most of the time, we wait until we're in such a miserable state of condition to say, oh, God, I need help. Um, I'm going to kind of just wrap it up there. Uh, I think you could probably tell. Oh, one other story that just jumps out at me. Um, and it's in Mark chapter 10, 46 to 52. And there's a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. And uh, basically, uh, he hears that Jesus is coming by. And so he starts yelling. And he says, uh, you know, Jesus, son of David, uh, have mercy on me. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And here's what was going on. People were saying. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he began crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he keeps, it, gets, it accelerates from there. And, and then answering, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus did not care what everybody thought. Without embarrassment, he said, Jesus, I know that you are the source of all of my need. Would you please come to my rescue? If we were honest with ourselves, every single one of us in this room probably has some area of our life where we need to say to God, God, I desperately need you. Would you please save me? And you don't care what everybody else thinks. Uh, we, we spend too much time being casual, trying to be cool, and say, oh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. Forgive us, Lord.